Bloodies 2020. This is um, the awards for um, some of our favorite things in um, our favorite horror films of the year. We have um, like our favorite performances. We have best score. We have best monster entity. We have uh, best scare. We have best cinematography, best final girl, best director, and of course, best kill. So, um, did you have all your um, uh, your uh, selections ready, Mr. Johnny? Mr. Hack, if you yes. will. Mr. Hack. Yeah, I believe I do, man. I got him. All right, cool, cool. Well, I will let you lead off with your best male performance for 2020. All right. <clears throat> this one was from a movie that was on uh, my top six. And I got to give a shout out to Mr. Stephen Lang in VFW people, because this guy just, he was so great in this film. He was like, kind of like the cool collective laid back guy. That's, you know, the bartender at this VFW bar. But once shit hits the fan, he's, you know, he snaps right back into like war zone. Like he's like back in the day when, you know, he was, he was in the war. He, came at these drug addicts with a vengeance and was just going to, he was just so bloodthirsty and his, you know, he kicked, he just kicked some ass and he was, you know, he was just so phenomenal in it. Um, I loved, there's a quickly, there's like a little scene where he has an ax and he's like looking through a hole in the door at one of the antagonists. And he says, he says to him, he goes, when you come, boy, you better come sharp because when you make a mistake, I'm going to cut your heart out. And of course, I don't do that line any justice. Go watch VFW and see how good Stephen Lang is in this. So I'll give it, I'll give him best male performance. That is a pretty epic line. Um, so excited to check that one out. I love Stephen Lang and he is, um, it's great that he, you know, in Don't Breathe, he definitely had his moment to shine, but like this is him, you know, very much leading the film you know he's kind of been more of a character actor throughout his career so i love it when um a, a character actor gets to step into the spotlight and have a little time to shine so excited to check that one out my best male performance um is also in my top six um it is joe keery in spree this man is oh man he is so good like he can like again it's like all the the prep that he did going into it with the marketing because it also helped him get into character like him and the director did a lot of one-on-one in character work and figuring out this character of Kurt who can on paper you know kind of sounds a little ridiculous and maybe a little cartoonish but at the same time like unless you are plugged into like, you know, the internet and social media today, you don't realize that there are kids just like Kurt, you know, that are like this on TikTok and on Instagram and, you know, have these aspirations and thoughts. But at the same time, he is a stone cold psychopath. Like he is so delusional throughout the entire film of like still thinking like what he's doing is just not crazy at all he thinks it's like so he's so nonchalant about like you said he smiles the entire time he's doing stuff like hey are you guys are you guys seeing this like he has so many great lines in the movie um he has so many layers and it's like and they do that thing where it's like okay they make you feel a little bit bad for him but then they take him over the edge to remind you like hey you're still not supposed to root for this guy and but even through Joe's performance of getting to put you on that line 
to where you're questioning if you feel bad for him or if you're just like, no, he's an evil son of a bitch. You know, just him being able to even make you question that is um, super powerful in a performance. So shout out to Joe Keery and Spree. Um, like the the performance, again, I you know said American Psycho, but it and he kind of looks like Christian Bale a little bit. But the performance had some shades of like Christian Bale in it to where I can just like kind of see in his eyes, you know, that he is that character. And I think that is um, super powerful. So shout out to him. Who is your best female performance of the year? Uh, female performance. Um, <clears throat> I had to go back and forth with this one. Um, this one may become of a surprise because it just, it seemed so effortless. At first I was going to love Kristen Stewart in underwater. I thought she was so good and I might even switch it to her, but at first I, for my best female performance, I put down, I believe it was Riley, Riley Q or cough. K-E-O-U-G-H. Uh, she plays Grace in The Lodge. Yeah, she, um, to me, she showed a lot of range in that because at first, you know, she had to be, she was like this nice, very sweet, loving person that basically, I mean, not not her fault, but she ended up being a fucking maniac. Just insane. And I love that that little switch there. And I think that she, that just kind of showed her acting range. So uh, like I said, might be high. I might even <laughs> Kristen Stewart a little more in underwater now that I think about it, but I'm going to give it to Riley as grace in uh, the lodge. Yeah. I mean um, her performance is definitely the catalyst for the film and does not work um, without her, especially for, how the narrative shakes out, you know, she is very important to, you know, leading you in certain directions for the film. Um, so next, I think up, I know what, I think I know what your answer is going to be. What my answer is going to be for uh best monster entity, our, the next category. Oh no, I, I didn't do my best female performance yet. Um, yeah, you go ahead. Yeah. Um, I, I skipped ahead in the categories. The next one is best monster slash entity, but my best female performance um, I was back and forth on, um, I was going to choose Haley Bennett from the swallow. She's very great. And again, That's like she's, it, it, she's so close. Cause again, like she's literally on screen the entire movie and like the voice that she's doing is so like weird and unique, you know, and I can see like that probably might turn certain people off, but it's also just like plays into her character. Just like, she doesn't feel real in a way like she's this like you know image of this model synthetic you know housewife so so close but um i have to give it to my girl alex angelis from the cleansing hour she uh plays yeah. um the possessed girlfriend in um in the cleansing hour and because um her her name is uh lane Laney, Lane, Laney, Lane. And, um, but she has, you know, two very distinct layers to her performance. She has a lot to do. She has a lot on her plate because she's playing, you know, her character. She's playing the demon, you know, that is possessing her also. Um, which, um, I'm going to, now I'm going to full on spoil a little bit of the cleansing hour. Sorry guys. But I mean, 
she we find out that the demon is the devil so she's been playing the devil this entire movie so shout out to um her for putting another great um devil performance in um in the hallowed halls of horror um just because she would switch back and forth between her character and the devil and her entire performance is in a fucking chair so she has so much to do in this movie and I mean, what she does with her voice and like they have, you know, this crazy makeup on her, but like she does changes to her voices, the way she's digging her nails into the chair. I mean, she is commanding this, like every scene she's in, she's commanding the, the, the screen and she's doing it from a fucking chair this entire movie. Um, so I had to give my girl a shout out cause she did a lot of heavy lifting for that movie. So good. You nailed it, man. She, that's a great pick. She, she has, I have nothing to add to that. You, you showed it off very well. She was just awesome performance by her. Yeah. You, you don't really think about like the duality of those performances of people that get possessed in, in movies. And, um, she really, um, pulled that off in a, in a very strong way. So uh, for the next category, what is your best monster slash entity? of 2020 well maybe maybe you agree with me on this one i had to pick our adorable little guy from sputnik yeah we do have the same one it's fucking sputnik boom (laughs) ah he's so great like yes sir you you go ahead and lead it off and then i'll add on but ah i love him so much yeah he's what i and i'll take a step back here too because i know um when i was doing a little research when I was uh, reviewing this, I love this movie. He, the director sent animators references. Cause they're like the, the director was a huge fan of alien alien franchise. And I am too. I love alien. Awesome franchise. I mean, especially alien and aliens are probably my, by far my favorite, but um, so he sent animators references to Komodo dragons when he's trying to make up like, what's this thing going to look like. Uh, he also wanted the, this little creature to be a little snake-like and you can kind of see that in the way he slithers. But also what I thought was a cool, unique take were the the multiple eyes that kind of gave it this like eerie spider-like face, um, just like all those eyes on him. And um, if you look at the concept art as well, um, I thought it kind of had like this, the, the queen from Aliens, kind of like in a, a cobra hood as its head. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like, I guess that's like the snake reference right there. But I also think that's sort of a nod to the whole Stan Winston school queen from aliens, like just kind of like the head only, not the whole xenomorph thing. But I think there was a lot of cool influences in creating this, this little creature. Yeah. I mean, fucking Sputnik. I mean, he's, you know, he's terrifying, but he's also adorable like, um, I mean, you really hit it. Like the, the design is so interesting and you can see, yeah, definitely the influences like, yeah, the Cobra is definitely there. You say Stan Winston and it kind of made me think of, cause I like how, you know, we see the littlest version of him like slithers, but he still has appendages. But then as he gets bigger, kind of like stands up and then we see him even bigger, you know, and like has like kind of these different, uh, evolutionized forms and um like when it's like standing up and the way that it's like joints are like and like limbs are like really long but skinny and like kind of in the the flat head shape reminded me of a uh, pumpkin head 
um, a little bit of um, Pumpkinhead influence in there. And but yeah, I loved um, the from the look. Yeah, the eyes was very interesting, um, very convincing. Like the animation is really fantastic on it. Um, and I love, but I also love the, like, you know, it's relationship to Constantine and, you know, like how they like feel each other and they're like, kind of like, you know, their minds are also melding and stuff. So it's like kind of interesting and like the whole mechanic of it coming out, it shrinks in his stomach while he sleeps and then comes out at night. Like all that is just like, it's also cool. But then the fucking scene where we're kind of learning how connected they are is where she fucking, the doctor rolls his little toy in there and little Sputnik curls up around it. And then I was just like, oh, and then he fucking loses his mind and yeah. then fucking, you know, attacks her leg. And it's like, oh yeah, nope. He's still fucking creepy and scary as fuck. Um, yeah. His movements, uh, the sounds, because the sounds were really adorable too. I was just like, damn, what a little cutie, but he's also crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, love that we had um the same the same um pick there. We got um, one. Yeah, yeah, we do got one. Um, what was um your favorite score from the year? This one was a little harder for me because I I love movie scores, but sometimes I'll like I see so many movies, I will just I'll forget and I'll have to go back and kind of listen to them again. And today I listened to a few of them, and I but I specifically remember. When I was in the movie theater, I think it might have just added to my experience so much. Well, first of all, to say my best score was Underwater. Um, it really mm. added to the sequences for me when they were going deeper and deeper and deeper into the into the ocean and into this black abyss and into the unknown, like the deep bass tones and the strings and stuff. It was so eerie. And I believe that it just, it added to my experience of watching the movie. It really struck a chord with me. So I'm just, I'm giving it to Underwater today. That's a good pick. Um, I didn't like notice it until they did like start getting deeper. And then like, yeah, the more sinister it got, the more I dug the score. And then like the the track that's playing, like when we get like the reveal of the, the, the giant monster, you know, was, I was just like, whoa, yeah. like this is, this is a vibe right here. So that's a great pick. Yes, it was. Um, mine, we were just talking about this film a second ago. Um, my pick for best score is um, the score for Sputnik by Oleg Karpachev. Karpachev. Um, just like I said, whenever I was talking about it, my top six, like I was watching this late at night and I was just like, damn, I wish I wasn't watching this so late because I want to have it cranked the whole time. But then I, but then there was like, uh, it was the scene when they were driving to the base. I had to rewind the scene and I was like, I don't care that it's almost midnight. I'm blasting this real quick for the next five minutes because like that fucking track was just like, so like it had like that, you know, that spacey sound in it, but was also like super just like, and I was like fist pumping while I was listening to it. Um, (laughs) um, I'm really big into film scores and I would say this year there wasn't as many that like really stood out to me as like, you know, very exceptional, but um, the score for uh, Sputnik really, um, was pretty top notch and I will definitely be listening to it um, a lot more for sure. 
Now, going from sounds, we're going to go to the best sites of horror of 2020 in best cinematography. Um, what was uh, your your best looking film this year? Best cinematography. This uh, movie wasn't on any honorable mention or on my top six because I believe the story just wasn't there for me. I, I think it just kind of lacked a little bit, but the cinematography of this movie I thought was awesome. Uh, kind of, I would say folk horror. And I, uh, the best cinematography is that I went for is Gretel and Hansel. Hmm. I thought it was such a cool vibe. Um, you know, anything that's out in the woods and, and, and very dark and dreary and there, the, the witch's house, the triangular triangle house that she lived in, you know, it was very, it looked smaller on the outside, but when we actually go in there, there's all these rooms and it's a lot bigger and just the, the, the lighting that they use and everything, uh, very, you know, they used like a orange and blue tints and with some red in there and how they would kind of do this, you know, shot reverse shot sequence and stuff at the, at the table, um, instead of showing like, everyone there it was just i thought this the whole cinematography especially out in the woods was just so cool to look at so i'm going to give it to gretel and hansel that's one i didn't get to check out but i know that is a uh, oz oz perkins joint and uh i really like his visual style so i'm sure that um i trust your eye on that one that that would be one that um looks very visually interesting um, I had kind of a similar thing. I had a few movies that like I enjoyed visually, but just like weren't. But um, Vivarium is was up there for a little bit. I kind of liked the the droniness of it and uh, some of the yeah. cool shots that it did towards the end. Um, have to shout out After Midnight. Um, After Midnight because it was so simple, but what it did with its simplicity and its use of lighting. Um, is really, really great and uh, created this really cool vibe. But we've already talked about this film. Um, from my top film of the year, I got to go with Swallow because um, the the set design, the way that they captured... Oh, sorry. I'm just saying excellent choice. And now that you say that, I really wish that was my choice. I want to switch it. <laughs> I mean, Swallow really is the best. I totally agree with you for cinematography. I'm actually going to, I'm going to switch it. I don't give a shit. I'm going to go with Swallow as well. We got two matches now. I mean, I wanted, yep. I wanted to. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to give another movie some shine, but but I mean, I can't because it just really is. It it was so integral to the story, the way that it presents the environment and the colors within the film. It's just it's just really great. the The symmetry is, um, you know, Wes Anderson would be cream in his pants. I'm sure watching this film. Um, I mean, everything is just in frame so well the way that they shoot like you know certain of the scenes of her like doing the actions and stuff just there's so much so much great i mean the blues and pinks in this film are just like if you like uh you like you some good bisexual lighting swallow is the movie for you same thing with uh uh, vfw the blues and the pinks kind of like the pansexual lighting or you know it's it's the neon soaked I mean, it's more in VFW. He really soaks the room in those blue and pink neons. It's uh, Joe Bigas 
check out his work people if you haven't seen vfw check out bliss kind of the same amount same oh yeah yeah, because Bliss, he gets pretty funky with it, too. So He does. Um, but yeah, but Swallow, absolutely a great cinematography. Um, so now we're getting into the big three, I would say, of, of the awards here. Um, we have first up, we have Best Final Girl. Who is your, and this could be a male character, I don't know who your choice is, but, you know, Final Girl is, you know our uh, the 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 terminology that we go with around here for anybody final girl can be anybody but who is your final girl of the year my final girl of the year i mean i've talked about this um movie my top my top six and i really had to give a shout out to elizabeth moss in the visible man because what what she went through and how she had nobody believed her her family her sister didn't believe her nobody everyone thought she was just crazy that someone was after her and they're like no he died like he's gone like no one's after you nothing's happening to you no one she couldn't you know tell anybody what what was going on she had to figure this whole thing out herself she pretty much had to think about this she had to outsmart some dude that was like and this is nothing to do with male, female. I'm just saying as anybody, he was a master in optics. He was just a billionaire guy, incredibly smart. He created a fucking invisible suit. He's just, this guy is a masterful at cunning. He's, you know, he's just, he's a, he's a criminal madman is what he is. Mm-hmm. And she had to just be on her own, not seeing him and try to outsmart this guy to survive and to, you know, think of a way to get rid of him, um, you know, without also incriminating herself. So I thought it was just, it was so smart. She went through a lot of turmoil throughout the whole movie. Shit just keeps happening to her. But, you know, in the end, she's got that smile on her face. So I have to give a shout out to her. I mean, she is great. Um, She goes through a lot of shit. And she also, like, really shows, like, the fear, but yet still showing her strength as well that she accumulates throughout the film. You know, I think that's something sometimes lost with final girls. Like we always know who's going to be the final girl and they're ready to step up to the plate right away, you know, but it's like, we really see like um, her journey of, you know, overcoming her fear throughout the film. Mine is a pretty interesting pick because I didn't talk about her when I talked about this film um, because she's kind of an unlikely final girl. I had a few choices. I almost went with the gal from uh, 1BR. Um, She did have a pretty great performance as well. And, um, you know, had to... The the amount of shit that she went through and then being able to survive it is pretty admirable. But the final girl here is you don't really expect her to be the final girl. Like, I didn't expect there to be a final girl in this movie at all, really. I wasn't thinking about it. And then like we get introduced to the character and then she goes away for quite a bit and then she comes back around and that is Jesse Adams in Spree. Um, she's introduced and you think she's just going to be a character that like, you know, is in this rideshare thing and like, and she gets away and you're like, Oh, Hey, like she gets away. I wonder what's going to happen with her. But then it, she does turn out to, you know, we loop back around and then he, we introduce her back into the story and like she plays into the story and like 
just the way that they wrote it in, I wasn't expecting that. And then it's like, oh, here's our final girl. Like, we do have a final girl. Here she is. And she makes a lot of great moves, but she's also very flawed, too, at the same time. Like, you know, kind of in her in her um, attitude at times and, you know, what she does, you know, she kind of, you know, uses him and belittles him a little bit to like kind of make this like statement for her and then you know spoiler for spree because i already that this is already kind of a spoiler that like she kind of makes it to the end and defeats him but um you know at the end of the movie she also uses that experience to fucking add to her following so it's like even though we rooted for her and she did all this stuff at the same time it kind of left a weird taste in my mouth because then she also did exactly what he was trying to become, you know? So it's like kind of, so it's like interesting. I, we haven't seen a really good, like very flawed final girl, but also a character that just like wasn't expecting to be the final girl. I thought she was just kind of be a bit character for that one scene, you know, that's like super funny when she's in the, uh, with the ride with the douchey guy. I thought it was going to be a bit character thing. I wasn't really thinking too much. And then when she came back in and I was like, oh, okay, this is who we're rocking with for the, for the rest of the movie. And she's still a very admirable final girl too. And, um, defeating, um, Kurt at the end of the film. Yeah. That's cool. Now that you mentioned that she was a really great final girl. I didn't think about it as much, but you fleshed that all out. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to go back now and rewatch that. I mean, that's just a fun film to revisit anytime. So that's one I'm definitely going to revisit that one soon. Yeah, for sure. Um, we, I, I did say these are the big three, but then I realized we did skip a, an award. So now we got three more. These are now. So these are the big four, we'll say. So the okay. next of the big four is um, we will go with best scare sequence. Um, this could be a, you know, any horror set piece from a film this year. Um, mine is different from best kill is your best scare sequence and best kill different or are they the same? Just out of curiosity. They're different. Okay, cool. So what is your best scare sequence for, um, 2020? Well, there was, it's funny cause this, there, it's a similar sort of scare sequence as it takes place on a bed because there, you know, there is a cool little scare sequence in anything for Jackson when there's something, you know, crawling on, on the bed. That's, that's pretty cool. But uh, this one comes from, I just watched it again, the dark and the wicked, you know, there's like, I think I mentioned about this film. I love it when a lot of scares come off screen or it's more about the sound design, the, the like the creaks and the breathing, the stuff that you hear, the shadow on the wall, to me, that's almost just as frightening to know, to know that there's something so near a character rather than just full out seeing it. And there's a great scene in the dark and the wicked where uh, our, you know, one of our main um, protagonists is sleeping in the bed next to her dad. That's, that's very sick and dying. And there's a, a entity that you can hear very slowly you know, crawling onto the bed, you hear the creaks of the springs and, um, you know, you start to see the little shadow on the wall, but was, I think what the best part of the scare is, was the breathing. The breathing sounded like a beast 
Like, and it was just through the nose. You could tell that this thing was just breathing through the nose and it was getting closer and closer to her. And it just kind of had this tight shot on her face. It's just frozen in fear. And she's trying not to lose her shit as this thing is getting closer. And you can just, you can feel this like entity almost on top of you while you're watching this and this like wildebeest breathing, it's just getting heavier and it starts to growl. And just when you think it's just gonna just attack, she can't take it anymore. And she turns and it's just, it's gone. And that to me, it was just like this long, tense scare that was like, holy shit. You know, I thought, I thought it was very well done. Ooh, I can't wait to get to this movie. I love your um, description (laughs) of it. I definitely can like, I I love, um, you know, getting a lot out of a little because it's like, it sounds to me like it's like, you know, a very small scene, but they make it very, very tense. Yeah. Very small. I I dig it. I dig it. (laughs) Um, you mentioned anything for Jackson. I had two contenders out of that movie that still didn't take the win. Um, because, um, anything for Jackson, I loved the, um, trick or treat, um, set piece with the, with the ghost, um, appearing in the different doors and then the giant ghost version. Um, I thought that was a really fun Mm -hmm. sequence. Um, and then, the um and then the um yeah the the plastic bag overhead man and also that guy the this distorted or uh yeah yeah like i love me a like that's that's something i want to do in a horror film is i want to do like a strictly creature performance you know physical performance because i love um you know keeping up with people like i didn't look up who the actor was but like you know javier javier um Botep is like you know he's very popular he's been like you know pretty much any monster you can think of or Doug Jones has been so many different creatures you know I want to I would love to do a creature performance but yeah the the contortionist that they got to do plastic bag overhead man um and he had (laughs) you know a very simple look just this like dirty all white outfit on in the bag over his head um, very, very fun sequences in anything for Jackson, yeah. but my best scare sequence is a pretty subtle one. I mean, might not even be a scare, but it is a scare. Like, cause this is a good old brain scare, but also visually what's happening is pretty horrific is the conditioning scene in one BR, um, is pretty fucking brutal. Yes. The, it, this is so, uh, um, big spoilers for one BR is um the neighborhood that she lives in there this like little culty community and they decide they have to put her through this conditioning process to break her in you know so that way she can assume her role within the community and and it's pretty simple but it's just like first like when it's revealed that brian is the bad guy he's just like turned so evil and he says the worst like demeaning things to her and like he's like super brutal he like you know like punches her in the face a few times like pretty good like and but then what they do is they like keep her in this fucking room and all it is is they make her spread her feet apart and like stand a certain distance from the wall with her two hands on the wall in the in these spots and then it's just like that's that's it but they just make her do it for as long as like um this light is on once the light's off she can stop 
and they just keep making her do this and then they like while she's doing it they just keep whispering evil shit in her ear and shit and and then once she's like starting to struggle he fucking comes in and fucking nails her hands into the wall and it just oh man it's fucking brutal and just like it's they because it goes on for so long like this is like I mean, I say sequence, but I mean, this is like, you know, 15 minutes of the movie is her going through this conditioning and it's fucking brutal. So, um, that is my best scare sequence of, of the year. Like, Ooh, it's just so uncomfortable. I love that scene. Like I, it's, I remember watching it. I'm like, Oh my God. And I always, I don't know about you, but I always like put myself in their position. I'm like, how would that actual actually feel even before they nailed her, hands there she had to be there for hours and this just had been agonizing pain it's so it's so simple and it's so realistic like i mean it's literally like nothing supernatural going on here nothing you know like it's so simple but yet it's just like oh man like the the way that they filmed in her performance in it is just um killer so we got two more awards here guys we have next up best director I'm going to keep mine short because I've talked about this movie enough already. It's fucking Swallow. It's Carlo Mirabella Davis for (laughs) me. That's uh, my favorite um, director. And um, I mean, what's, what else is there to say? He had the vision. He brings the the performances out. Um, I I think this was a directorial debut as well. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken and it just absolutely comes in and kills it. Like I, don't really have many gripes about the film so it's like i i don't know you know like what else to say like you a near flawless film and like straight out the gate like especially for like that emotional scene and the way that he guided the story um absolutely great work um by uh by carlo who is uh your best director for this year yeah, I'll you know I've I'll keep this short as well, and I got to give a shout out best director to Joe Bigas uh, from VFW. I mean, the guy is he's he's also a younger guy, and he's he's just you can tell his love for film, and he's scrappy. Like he 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 created this this movie. It's so gritty and gnarly and i love like the worlds that he created like this little dive bar and then across the street you have this dystopian drug den he just he has a cool vision he goes with it he was even uh uh, one of the camera operators too he's a camera operator guy he did it on a few films he also was one of them in vfw so he he just has this whole thing in his head how it's gonna go and you know he runs with it so i think like i said he's scrappy great atmosphere he's he's a good director so i'll give him the best director spot for sure like super talented filmmaker and like definitely like gives me hope as an aspiring filmmaker being like yo like you know somebody young and scrappy that like you know has like this vision like they're gonna be uncompromising about it and um i definitely can appreciate that so definitely excited to check out vfw and then um that brings us to our uh final this is our uh final um award this is this is the big one um i threw it in at the last minute but rest assured this is the big one um this is best kill um best kill you know this is could be from a narrative standpoint to the visual um graphicness of it 
Um, I'm intrigued to see, um, Johnny, what your favorite kill of the year was. You know, this came to a very big surprise to me, and it may it may seem so underwhelming. I know I'm really selling this best kill here, but uh, it was so something so simple. And what I look for because you're being a horror fan, how many kills do we we see? So many damn kills, you know. So someone getting their head lopped off with an axe, or someone getting put in a wood chipper, you know, those are all great. Uh, but what I, what I like to see is uniqueness in the kill. Uh, by the way, this is hilarious that we're talking about this. I love that. <laughs> like we're talking about the uniqueness of kills, but like, just for example, uh, when I watched, um, black Christmas or black Xmas, the 2006 version, when he's making cookies out of the skin of his mom's back, he's making Christmas cookies out of fucking flesh. And baking them and eating them. It's so great. Like, I'm like, hell yeah. Like, I'm like, now that is unique. Like, I haven't seen that before, you know, because I feel like I've seen a lot of these kills. So, and this is a, this is, this kill comes from a movie I wasn't particularly crazy about, but everyone else was. And I'm kind of like, I kind of put my hat down like, ooh, I'm just not going to say anything. I did like it, but this best kill comes from the movie Freaky that just came out with like Vince Vaughn. And again, I had fun with it. I did people. I had fun, but I don't think I had the love outpouring. Like this is the best thing ever, like that I saw on Twitter. And so I kept my mouth shut from about it, but the kill is I'm just, I had to go with uniqueness here. Basically it's like somebody gets a fucking wine bottle shoved down their throat and then punched and the fucking glass goes through the neck. I'm like, Thank you. I'm like, bravo. I, I stood up and gave a standing ovation and started clapping after I saw that. That was almost my pick. That was that was a contender for me. Really? Yes. Um, I have literally the same exact feelings as you about Freaky. Um, I enjoyed it. I just watched it last awesome. night. Um, I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. But there are some great kills in there. Yeah. Um, we have a vertical bisection in there. But man, yeah, this opening wine bottle kill... Like first it sticks it in and then they do a close up on the throat as you see yes. the bottle go down the throat and then he fucking just goes, Wapow and I was like yeah. you said, I was just like, Ooh I was like, That's yeah. good. And I think and I maybe that's what happened where I'm like, Oh my god, the bar is set so high right now. Like like this is fucking awesome. And then I don't know, it kind of phased out a little bit for me, the whole movie, but I still had fun with it. I, like I said, it was great. I just, I think a lot more people loved it better than I did, you know? Yeah. Same, same here. Um, yeah, that was, that was a contender. I had a couple other contenders, um, random, random acts of violence. Um, that movie split <laughs> the whole horror community and split me pretty much down the middle as well. But, um, that had some yeah. pretty unique kills in there. Um, I do have to give it that, um, and then again, yeah, almost went with freaky, but my kill came just before we recorded the episode came in under the wire. Um, it's anything for Jackson. We're back because, um, I'm watching the movie, you know, and I love, I love good timing of a kill, but then I also love, I love the imagery of a kill and yeah. this one 
that it came out of nowhere. I was tweeting about something else in the scene. I was tweeting about something else, and then the scene happened. So anything for Jackson. Um, um, uh, it's our boy Rory, the the uh, the snowplow guy. <laughs> he's talking. He's talking <laughs> to the couple. There's been this whole bit, the whole movie. This guy really wants. He really wants to plow their fucking driveway for these old people for free. You know, and Henry is so adamant against it. I'm like, dude, that's even more suspect than this whole thing. But, you know, Rory keeps showing up. And then so I'm tweeting about that. And I just like look back up and then I forget what Rory says. But like he just says a random line and then he just shoves his head into the snowplow and then blood splurts out. Just a great big old red spray across the snow. I love me blood in the snow. It's great imagery. But the timing of it, it just caught me so off guard. And just like this, the, the, every, just the way it played out, I was just like, chef's kiss. I was like, that, that, that's good stuff right there. (laughs) Uh. Oh. That one was where my eyes popped as well. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, <laughs> I think I might have even clapped for that one, too. <laughs> I just like that was that was a surprise. I love it. Yeah. Like, I love. Yeah, I was audibly cheering. And any any movie that gets that reaction out of me, I'm like, I was like, yes. I was like, that's this movie is fucking it rules. Like, that's whenever I that's whenever I like really fell in love with that movie. I was like, that was pretty amazing um absolutely great so that is um the first annual bloodies everybody we went through our top six we gave out awards um and thank you johnny for uh being a part of the first annual bloodies um before we send johnny on his way and before i send you guys on your way because this is the last episode of 2020 so looking forward into 2021 um of course you know more films more information's going to come out and release dates are kind of iffy right now. But what is your most anticipated horror film of 2021 right now? I just, I have to give a shout out to two. Um, Cause I just couldn't really narrow it down. Um, the first one would have to be antlers. Um, Guillermo del Toro's film antlers. Uh, it was slated. I mean, it's gotten delayed so many times and it was actually supposed to come out. I think, February or March of 2021, but it just recently got off the books again. So we're, I'm hoping for a V uh, straight to video release, maybe in later 2021. Is that, is that what you're hearing? I mean, it's not even on the slate anymore. It just doesn't have a date. They didn't, they didn't delay it. It's just doesn't have a date now. So who, who knows um, when that's coming, but I mean, definitely pretty hot on the list. I'd assume it's going to come out in 2021. I doubt they're going to push it, but then again, who knows? It's I don't just, know. I, I rewatched the trailer too again today. I love, you know, Guillermo del Toro's vision of like the creature and the, the, the darkness and, you know, the imaginations of like of a child in his films. Like it's, it's uh, it just looks really creepy and eerie, and I'm, I was really looking forward to seeing that one. And really, really quick, uh, the Conjuring, the Devil made me do it. I know it's, I I'm a sucker for the Conjuring. I fucking love the franchise. I know it may be uncool to like it, but I don't give a fuck because I love me some Ed and Lorraine Warren. I've read the book, The Demonologist, which is you know has uh, um is uh, a book 
about their case, all the cases they went on. Um, so I, <laughs> like a little kid, I'm just, I'm excited for that one to come out too. Yeah. Um, I know I'm pretty sure we will for sure be getting Guillermo del Toro's um, Pinocchio movie because that's a Netflix release. I'm pretty sure that's coming in late 2021. So we'll at least get some sort of del Toro, I believe. Don't quote me on that, people, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, and and yeah, the uh, the Conjuring verse is that book series that I really enjoyed, and I sped through the first few books, but now I've kind of put it down. So I've fallen behind in the Conjuring verse, but at the same time, yeah, if it's got Ed and Lorraine in it, I'm fucking down. You know, so we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, the devil made me and do it. I, I, I love Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. I love Patrick and Vera as as them. I think they're they're so good on screen together. Oh, best horror couple in of like of the past while, like for sure. Of like, I mean, they've been around for a yeah. decade almost, um, and they are a great horror couple. They are goals. Love them to death. Um, my most anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them that was supposed to come out this year, but then got delayed into 2021, hopefully, to be able to be seen in theaters. You know, it's one of those cases would be, um, of course, Nia DaCosta's Candyman. Um, the original Candyman is one of my all-time favorite films. I was skeptical about a reboot, but it's actually kind of a sequel because I saw like a spoiler-ish thing on IMDb. I wouldn't say it's a spoiler, but if you don't go to IMDb, if you like don't want to know anything about the film, but it's kind of technically not a reboot. It's kind of a reboot. It's like a soft reboot or something. So, and then after that animated fucking trailer came out, then I was like, okay, give me this movie now. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was very skeptical, but um, I'm on the, I'm on the train and then I also have to shout out um, Last Night in Soho, um, the return of Edgar Wright into the um, kind of horror genre realm. Um, I love um, anything that Edgar Wright does. Um, he's one of my favorite directors, and he is doing um, a period piece slash psychological thriller. It stars Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, super excited um, to see how that film shakes out. So those are my two big ones on the 2020 calendar, 2021 calendar. Awesome. Yeah, man. I candy man. When you said that, I was like, Oh shit. That's one. I really, (laughs) really highly anticipated as well. I mean, the original is one of my favorites and I, it's one of the, those films that I remember the most as a child, uh, because it, it actually scared the fuck out of me when I was a little kid. I watched it way too early, but um, like a lot of films, my dad just let me watch. He didn't give a shit, and he loved watching them too. But Candyman legitimately, as a child, scared the fuck out of me, and I loved it. Yeah, so here's to whenever that comes out, here's to the future, here's to 2021. Thank you, Johnny, for coming on the show and recapping this year um i appreciate um having you back on the show you're always welcome here on the blade blunt cinema club so thank you once again for stopping by uh where can the people find you man yeah man i really appreciate it. I, I had such a good time time flew by man this was uh it was such a fun show it's fun to recap you know the whole year 
we watched a lot of good stuff, dude. But people, uh, yeah, I do a movie, uh, horror movie review um, channel on YouTube. You can find me at uh, youtube.com slash the horror hack. And you can also follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the horror hack. So, you know, hit me up. Let's talk some horror. Yeah. Johnny is one of the best people to chat with online. Um, anything horror and his channel is fantastic as well. So make sure you guys go and check that out. But that is going to do it for the podcast. 35 episodes. This is episode 35. Um, 35 episodes for the podcast. Um, started this back in June. Um, and I'm glad that's made it this far. It made it to the end of the year. There will be a few tweaks here coming into 2021 in the show. Gonna tighten things up just a smidge. But, you know, not too much. It's still going to always be pretty chill vibes around here. So, going into um, 2021, we're going to be kicking January off with J-Horror. So, um, I'm very excited to get into that, have a full month. This will be the first full month of um, doing, you know, a of non-English films. I won't say foreign films, I guess people... I guess people are starting to get around saying that. I don't know why it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It just means like foreign to us, you know, but you know, foreign, foreign, non-English films, whatever you guys want to call them. But I'm excited to dig into, um, into the J horror realm for next year. Um, the last thing that I will leave you guys with, of course, is I would appreciate if you guys left a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. I would greatly appreciate that. Um, I appreciate the audience and the little um, circle we have built here on the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. But we need more people in this cult, people. So um, leave some reviews so more people can find the podcast. I would greatly appreciate that. But... That's going to go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Blay Blunt Cinema Club. I will see you guys next year in 2021. We are kicking off J-Horror talking Jew on the Grudge and the American Remake. So make sure you guys are here for that. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore daddy disco and follow the podcast pages at bloody blunt cc. And until next year, guys, stay lifted. And, um, you know, and it's like, for me, it's like, I get worried because I'm like, I'm like, because I am stones and then I'm like, sometimes I'll trip (laughs) over my words. And then I'll like, like there was whenever you were, um, describing you were, uh, you were describing, uh, the lodge as like your number to pick and I like didn't hear you say what the movie was at first. Cause I kind of was like, read, I was trying to find something on my letterbox. So I kind of like missed out on like when you actually said the name of the movie. So I was like, okay, wait, okay. I was like, Johnny, start describing the plot. So I know what movie you're talking about. And then once you started describing, I was like, okay, he's talking about the lodge. Okay. Like, cause I totally like, didn't even hear what you like said it. Yeah. And it sucked. Cause I can already see it in my brain too. I fucked that up. I I was so just like deer in the headlights. I'm like, fuck. I mean, dude, I I didn't. I fucked up multiple times on my own hosting of, um, you know, doing my rankings and the awards. I like almost forgot a category on the awards and then I (laughs) skipped you to do mine. So it's like, no, you're all good, man. It it is what it is. (laughs) That was was so fun, man. Um, This will be going up on um, New Year's Eve. I I believe. I think the I think the 30 I think the last Tuesday is a 31st. 
So this will be going up on New Year's Eve, and then this is, yeah, the the last one. So thank you so much, nice. man. I appreciate you doing that and uh, squeezing in those extra movies, you know, and obviously you came away with some uh, some of your favorites. So Yeah, uh, and it's weird. It's like I put The Dark and the Wicked at number one, but I also maybe think I'm still on an emotional high from it, and it's like the most – I don't – and like – I'm fucking with myself. I'm like, is that really my number one? Or am I just still like, wow, that was cool. Yeah. It was was fucking, it was good. So yeah, mine, mine, I was like, you know, I was worried I would have a recent recency bias, you know, towards a couple of them, but mine were pretty, pretty scattered. Like three of them were ones I like watched earlier in the year. And then three of them were like newer ones. And then like literally watching anything for Jackson today. And then that's where I was like, shit, where do I put this one? And, but that was such a good one, but it's like out of my like top six though, like one through three, I gave them, or actually I think only, yeah, only one and two, I gave five stars and then platform platform and anything for Jackson at four and a half stars. And then Sputnik and cleansing hour at four stars. So it's like, I didn't even have, like all like six five-star movies like I wish I like loved like all of my top six like but really I only like loved like three of them and then the other yeah, three I'm like the, same way. The, the other three yeah. I like really liked them and there was like there was so many like I have so many three-star movies this year like movies that I was like okay like this is watchable and like maybe I dig the premise but like just didn't go far enough you know so it's like I have so many in that middling range and then like my high end wasn't, you know, as high as I'd like to. Like 2020 wasn't my favorite horror year um, of the past, like, no. you know, a little bit. You like, know, movie I think you would like and it's another neon. <clears throat> it's a film from neon, just like uh, Swallow. Did you ever see She Dies Tomorrow? <laughs> I did, and um, that's like actually at the bottom. That's like towards the bottom of my list. Like I did not, I didn't hate it, because like even the like movies I have at the bottom, like I have like the Beach House at the bottom, She Dies Tomorrow, and I didn't hate them, but they were both movies that I was just like, eh, these just really aren't doing it for me, and like likes. I just wanted more from them, you know, and that's like so many of the movies I watched. Like there were, uh, there were movies that was like, this is all right, but I just need more. That's why I didn't have she dies tomorrow in even honorable mentions. I just thought I was like, I, I just think I just liked the concept of, of it. Yeah, exactly. The execution. I do feel like when they're just, they're just talking in a room and I don't know, like not a lot was going on. 